what's the, the golden nugget that I could pass along? And just in the last year or two, I think it's really started to crystallize. And it's really, it's so simple, really. And it's just love. I mean, if you can lead with love, it is unbelievable. And it just takes your culture to a whole other level. It takes your purpose to a whole other level. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Right Side Up Leadership Podcast. I'm Jonathan, your content producer over at Stay Forth Designs, and we have a really great episode for you today. I know that you've heard me say that before. I know that you've heard Alan and David say that before, but I think that we're allowed to be a little biased towards this podcast and that we think that all the episodes are fantastic because we curate the conversations. So this one's fantastic, and we hope that you thoroughly enjoy it. Today's conversation is really great. It's about a guy who is a real, no, another real, because the Rudy story was real, but he is another version of a Rudy-type story. If you guys don't know what I'm talking about, uh, the movie Rudy was about a guy who really shouldn't have made the football team, made the football team, did some great things. It's super uplifting. He overcame adversity, and today's guest is no different. Uh, Alan sits down with Ben Nockhamson. And for those of you who don't know, Ben is the special assistant to Pete Carroll for the Seattle Seahawks, and his journey didn't start there. So you're going to have to listen to this episode. I've listened to it a couple of times now. It's fantastic. I hope wherever you are, you're going to refill your coffee, take a pause out of your work morning, your work day, your afternoon, whenever you're listening to this right now, and sit with this one. Ben is a great speaker. He's a writer. He's going to offer you some encouragement, and I do believe that we can all use a nice dose of encouragement right now, as well as some practical insight to move from where we are to where we want to go. So with that, sit down, relax, slow down, take a pause, and enjoy today's episode with Alan Briggs and his conversation with Ben Nockhamson. Well, Ben, it is so good to have you here on the podcast. Thanks for joining us, man. Alan, so good to be with you. I loved connecting with you, um, hearing some of your story, and uh, just several weeks ago, actually, as the coronavirus was, uh, we were kind of realizing this is a real thing. This is serious. Um, we had the opportunity to connect, chat a little bit, and um, loved, loved, loved reading through your book, Walk On. So we'll talk a little bit about that. Um, guys, I could not put this down. Um, I was feeling sick for a few days, uh, and I literally had the opportunity to read th- through this in probably about 24 hours. Absolutely loved it. Um, ben, excited to kind of crack open your story for us. You were really vulnerable about this in the book, but I know things were tough for you at home growing up. How did you cope with that? Yeah, well, um, growing up, uh, my mom struggled with alcohol and uh, just really had to face that growing up. And as a kid, I didn't really, I couldn't process emotion per se. Um, And so I just thought that was normal. I thought every kid had that same issue with their mom and I just, I didn't think much of it. And I was uh, pretty stubborn, just kind of put my head down and just found my value and my worth in school and sports. And uh, it wasn't until I got into my teenage years where I really started to realize that, man, I, there's something going astray here, and uh, I kind of need to to figure figure things out a little bit because this didn't feel right. It didn't feel normal. And uh, thankfully, I mean, God had His hand on me from day one, and uh, I, I started going to a summer camp in upstate New York called Deerfoot Lodge uh, as a kid, and uh, that really started planting seeds in my life and. Uh, there was a church a block from my house uh, in Dallas where I was growing up, and 
ended up walking over to church as a 14 year old, uh, because a couple of my friends were going to the youth group and I walked over and, and really started to encounter Jesus, um, in powerful ways during those times. And, um, so really to answer your question, that's really how I got through it was just the, the love and the, the power and just the realness of God. Um, I couldn't have done it any other way looking back. Yeah, man. And, and before we get to football, we'd love to camp on that idea for a little bit. Wilderness um, has deeply shaped and impacted me, um, and I know it has for you as well. Um, what did you sense those times that you got to spend out in the wilderness? Why was it so powerful for you? I think just getting removed from the world and you don't have the noise. And so it's just, it's you and the trees and um, whenever the sun rises, whenever the sun sets and you got a fire and, and you got a handful of guys sitting around the fire. And so there's just so much less noise and it really allows you to connect with the creator of all that, the creator of, of me, the creator of the people sitting with me. And, um, you can really start to hear the voice of God in a new way. And I think God's word just is so much more real and profound, uh, in those settings when we can finally settle down and quiet and it's hard in our everyday lives to to find that quiet because we're uh, a lot of people are living in cities or suburbs where there's just constant noise and then obviously we have our phones even if you're not living in the, the city or the suburbs you got your phone that's constantly going all the time you got tv you got just this noise and so being in the wilderness um, there's just something really special about that um, you can really connect with with your creator Agreed, man. It's so grounding for me. We were talking before we started recording just on the level of hurry in our culture, the level of busyness, frantic, even frenetic living. And it's just so grounding to just slow down and listen and not have to produce anything uh, in, in that space. All right, man. So you're a sports writer at USC covering girls volleyball games now take me to the moment when you decide okay i'm going to try out for one of the top ranked football teams in the country led by legendary coach pete carroll what is your journey from that onto the football field oh man it's crazy so i i was a student newspaper reporter just covering i covered volleyball for a while and then i got switched over to football and uh, i was doing my last article before i graduated my senior year and I was going to do an article on walk-ons and walk-ons are the end of the bench guys. They don't get scholarships and they, they help fill out a team, but they never get to play, you know, and they never get newspaper articles written about them. So I figured this would be a pretty cool article here and just write something different and unique and start interviewing some of the guys. And then it hits me, well, why don't I go through the tryout myself, get a first person perspective and really bring people on the inside and, and show them what this is like. Um, and so I was like, I'll, I'll go through the tryout myself and I'll just write an article from that perspective. And it'll be a joke too, because here I am, the student newspaper reporter, and I'm only out there to write an article. This is the number one college football team in the country. And on top of all that, I hadn't played football since fifth grade. So it's just going to be a total joke. And I go through the and, tryout. And you were like that? 200... You were like 250, 280 pounds, right? Like somewhere in there? 162 pounds. So uh, I, I was smaller than the kicker on the team. So I, uh, I was very, very out of place and uh, go through the tryout. And my whole purpose, my one goal in being there was to write an article. And I got home that night and I started working on that purpose and 
it was the story of a lifetime. I couldn't have imagined a better article than that one. I mean, I just, I got to try out for the number one team in the country. It was just so cool. And, uh, write that article and was going to put the finishing touches on it the next day. And I get a phone call the morning after the tryout saying I made the team. And it was just the most shocking thing ever. I was like, this has got to be a prank. There's no way. I mean, it never even crossed my mind that that's even a possibility. But there I was, uh, all of a sudden getting this call and I go in, I get my helmet, my pads, my playbook. And I went from a student newspaper reporter who was two months from graduating to all of a sudden a wide receiver on the number one football team in the country. It was just the most crazy thing ever. So um, all of a sudden there I am, I'm suiting up and I overcome an injury that fall and, and go through just an incredible experience um, football wise and spiritually too with God's purpose on that team. Um, it's led since then to a career of for the last 14 years been working alongside Pete Carroll uh, three years there at, at USC and then 11 this is our 11th season up in Seattle now uh, just kind of as his uh, right hand um, personal assistant type uh, role in all these years and it's been incredible just an amazing run mm, wow man I, I loved how the book chronicled those moments where it was like go give him a handshake you won't regret this and just those moments of risk those moments of faith, those moments of, am I an idiot? And it was just so well described in the book, even the moments of just, I mean, I felt injured for you. I mean, just talking about how badly your body was taking a beating during this time. Uh, and it was just, it's just such an incredible story, Ben, that God has given you and just being so scrappy to continue to, to be in that space. You had uh, an offer at the Chargers, right? Before Pete called you and said, no, why don't you come to the Seahawks? Yeah, that's right. So I, after three years working for Pete at, U, at USC, I um, started looking for jobs elsewhere because he took the job up in Seattle. And uh, I ended up getting an offer from the Chargers when they were in San Diego and was about to take it. But Pete was pretty persistent and he's a really good recruiter and uh, asked me to come up and just visit Seattle and uh, moved up to Seattle uh, 10 years ago now, uh, a little more than 10 mm -hmm. years ago. So it's been an amazing, amazing journey. All right, Ben, you got to tell us about the campaign that developed into this crazy get Ben in phenomenon at USC. <laughs> well, I, I, it was just really odd because there's 100 guys on the team and I was literally number 100. There's 99 other guys on the team that deserved attention and deserved to play. Um, I mean, I hadn't played football myself in 11 years at that point. So it was just it was funny when a group of students started a campaign called Get Ben In. They wanted to see the, the average student get into a game. And, and my story had kind of gained a, a fair amount of attention, just newspaper articles, Sports Illustrated, ESPN, all that stuff. And uh, the, this student campaign got going, Get Ben In. And they started chanting the student section at our home games. Uh, I mean, I had no chance of playing. I mean, there's all these guys that deserve to play. And, that team alone had 53 guys that would go on and play in the NFL. So, I mean, that team was literally an NFL roster. And here I was getting the student section chanting my name. It was just, it was funny and awkward and, and all the above. And uh, we make it to our last home game of the year, playing Notre Dame at the Coliseum. And uh, we're up 20 points. And the student section's chanting, get that in. And uh, finally, last play of the game, uh, coach puts me in. And I got my one play. <laughs> I didn't do anything. <laughs> But uh, it was kind of fruition to uh, this whole season-long campaign, so it was really fun. 
Awesome, man. Well, I love it. And just getting to know you and knowing, you know, your heart, I'm sure parts of that campaign were were mind blowing, but also kind of embarrassing that other people would take that risk for you. You're not the guy asking for attention. Man, I love just that whole accidental uh, story, but you just kept showing up, man. You got to read the you guys got to read the book, walk on to get the full story of that. But man, absolutely loved it. Um, I loved how you talked about that moment. So Pete Carroll's deciding whether or not to take the head coach role in Seattle and calls you on the phone and asks you, what should I do? Take me back to that moment. Yeah, I was sitting in the parking lot of a Safeway in LA and I was about to go do some grocery shopping and then I get this phone call from my boss and my former football coach uh, telling me that he was getting a job offer from the Seahawks. And here I was, I was 24 years old. I was a kid and Coach Carroll was, he had a pretty successful career at that point. He's in his fifties. He's like, what do you think I should do? And obviously he was, he wasn't just asking me, he was asking a lot of people, but the fact that he asked me, I was just floored. Um, And my initial thought was stay at USC. Like you've got such a good thing going. And I personally loved LA. I didn't want him to leave. I didn't want to leave. And uh, it was, it was just such a special moment for our friendship and our relationship. Um, Just the fact that he had the humility to ask someone like me. I mean, I'm sure I know he was asking a bunch of other people too. And just the fact that he was seeking wisdom and seeking counsel, even from unlikely sources, I think that speaks to him more than anything. And uh, I learned a lot from him and and just in that moment, um, even though I ended up telling him something that he did the opposite of, and uh, he ended up taking (laughs) a job with Seattle. And obviously it's paid off pretty, pretty well for him with the Super Bowl and, uh, and just being named to the all decade team as the head coach. So he's got, he's got a pretty amazing last 10 years in Seattle. So, um, thankfully he didn't listen to my advice. (laughs) Well, you, Ben, you have a really unique role. Um, take us inside of your role. Who are you communicating with and, and what are a couple of the major functions that you have? Yeah, so uh, my job, it's its kind of a catch-all. Um, I know that you've got a bunch of pastors listening out there. Um, and what I kind of compare it to in the in the pastor world is kind of an executive pastor, uh, kind of the person behind the scenes that, that gets a lot of things done and uh, just takes care of a lot of things behind the scenes. And um, so Pete and I have, have kind of become partners, and uh, I get to walk alongside of him and prepare things for him, whether it's communication or um, strategy stuff or just the day-to-day in the football world. Um, there's just so many things we've been able to, to partner on. And, and lately, I've uh, been focusing more on his off-field projects. So it's business and charity, um, his academic pursuits, all that. And uh, it's been it's been really, really cool. Um, just the partnership that we've been able to form and just to help come alongside of him and, and really just help continue to push him, put him in position to, to win and succeed. Um, in every way. And uh, I think my favorite part about the job is that it's a service job that I just get to serve. And uh, I mean, there's no greater path to greatness than serving, as Jesus said. And so I, uh, I just, I'm so fortunate. I get, that's my job. That's my, that's the way I make a living is just to serve. And uh, it's been amazing. It's been a really, really fun Mm. job. And God's literally wired you up perfectly for it. Ben, you're Enneagram two with a one wing. So not only are you going to serve, you're going to do that with incredible excellence. So just cool to watch your story and, and how God's put you right here for this moment. What have you learned about communication in this role? 
Yeah, I, I learned so much from Coach Carroll um, every day about communication. Um, I think the number one thing is consistency and uh, just how consistent he is with communication. He's not trying to find a new way to, to like, I got to find synonyms. And I got, it's like, he's, he's going to repeat the same thing over and over. He's going to find new ways to deliver it, but he's so consistent with his language and he's so consistent with his vision. Um, and then also the truth telling. There's, there's such a huge element of truth telling that he is so all for. And it's just really, really cool how it's always about getting to the truth. And if we can all do that, man, there's just something powerful when we, when we go from truth as the foundation instead of spin, you know? <laughs> and so um, I think those are probably the, the biggest elements of communication that I've learned from Coach Carroll over the years, is just the consistency and the truth telling. Um, because when we can go from those elements, it just takes us to a whole new, new level. Um, not just in the on the small scale, just between himself and and me, but on the larger scale too, with with the whole team, with media, with social media, everything in between, and just that consistency, that truth telling is so powerful you've worked obviously you're working under a great leader and you're getting to see some of the premier athletes uh, of our time up close what have you learned about leadership in this role man um it's it's been so cool to kind of uncover this over the years because i've been asked that question basically since i started working for pete because he's such a respected leader and I, i i just keep looking okay what's like the what's the that golden nugget that I can pass along. And just in the last year or two, I think it's really started to crystallize and it's really, it's so simple really. And it's just love. I mean, if you can lead with love, it is unbelievable. And it just takes your culture to a whole nother level. It takes your purpose to a whole nother level. It really just changes everything. And so in football, um, love is not a word that's tossed around a lot. And so, um, but just to watch it exhibited um, and watch it lived out, um, the way Pete interacts with his players, um, he's like a dad and he, he leads them with love and he coaches as if they're his own kids. And the way he builds culture, it's a culture built around relationships. Um, it's all about love and the way he approaches the game and the way he approaches practice, even those things he has a passion for. He has a love for the preparation. He has a love for the journey. And I think that is, if, if I could narrow it down to one word, that's it. Because, I mean, there's nothing greater. There's nothing greater than love. And if we can love the people we're working with, love the people we're serving, um, I mean, it's just, it takes everything to a whole other level. It's really powerful. Mm, that's beautiful. Um, some of the some of the things I, I loved reading in the book were just about the prankster side of Pete. Maybe even going back to USC days. What are some of the just a couple of those pranks, those funny moments where he brought humor into the team? <laughs> well, it feels like he does it once a week at this point. He's just he's a kid at heart. He's sixty eight years old, but uh, it feels like he's Benjamin Button getting younger by the years. Um, but I I wish we could show some YouTube videos on a podcast, but I guess uh, the listeners out there will have to go look them up. But I mean, you type in Pete Carroll prank on YouTube and there's just so many good ones. I mean, just recently Bill Withers passed away and, uh, he had Bill Withers come in uh, after we did kind of a a talent show on our team. Um, and one of the players saying lean on me and had an incredible voice and and that went out on YouTube. And then we, a week later we get Bill Withers to come in and kind of prank them uh, in this whole elaborate prank. And no one knew 
what he looked like because he had aged a bit and uh, he walks in pretending he's this authority and he's, he's getting the team in trouble for something and then he pulls it out he says you guys have been punked I'm Bill Withers and I want to hear you guys sing that song for me again and everyone just lost it I mean here's this legend <laughs> in music and wow. uh, he's there hearing the the players sing lean on me in front of him it was just it was really really cool Wow, man, I love that. Uh, Will Farrell coming a couple times, messing with the team. <laughs> oh, man. Awesome. So um, when I hear your story, I hear underdog. You know, it's kind of the Rudy story. And, you know, just in, in so many ways, God has opened doors to you that you wouldn't know how to even open yourself. Um, so for just a moment, why don't you encourage some of the underdogs listening, maybe people who feel underqualified, people who feel like God can't use me. I'm trying to do something huge in my life. What do you say to encourage and inspire the underdog? Yeah, that's such a good question, Alan. And I think it's, it's so fitting because I think in a way we're all underdogs. Um, just the way this world is, is operating, um, we're, we're all underdogs in some way. And so we can all relate with that underdog story. And it's just so powerful when we realize that we may be underdogs, but but God is not. And he has put his spirit inside of us. He has an incredible plan for each one of us. That his purposes for us are far greater than we could ever dream of or even imagine ourselves. And so I just, I think of a verse in the back of the Old Testament from the book of Habakkuk. And it's a verse that really carried me through uh, my whole football experience. And I st still think of today. Um, it's chapter one, verse five of Habakkuk. It says, look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed for I am doing something in your days that you would not believe even if you were told. And so I just, I think back on my story and I hope the listeners out there uh, got a little glimpse of it, but hopefully they can pick up the book and, and read the rest of it. Um, but if, if God would have told me ahead of time that you're going to try out for the football team as a student newspaper reporter, it's the number one team in the country. You're 162 pounds you're going to make the team and you're going to overcome injury. You're going to go through this whole crazy season. Uh, he's going to have incredible purpose for me to, to really impact someone's life right before they pass away. And then you're going to go on to Seattle and you're going to see everything come together. You're going to have a, a long career with a head football coach and an NFL team. I mean, just all these things. If you would have told me that ahead of time, I wouldn't have believed him. There's no way this stuff's too no crazy. Way. But that's, that's our God, and that's what God wants to do through each one of us. He wants to do things in our days that we would not believe, even if we were told. And so in that regard, we're all underdogs. You know, like we're all in this place where without God, we are underdogs. And if we're relying on our own plans, our own purposes, they're not going to be that good. And uh, But God's plans, God's purposes for us are far greater than we could ever ask or imagine. And they're far greater than we would even believe if he told us right now. And so just for everyone out there, whether you feel like an underdog or not, um, just to trust and know that God's purpose for you is, is far greater than you'd believe, even if you were told right now. And so to step into that and to step into that unknown, to take those risks, to surround yourself with people who are going to encourage you when the times are hard, um, and to really just keep taking one step after another. I think that's the whole point of our, our book title, Walk On, obviously it refers to, to me being a walk on the now. But it's also an encouragement, uh, kind of an exhortation in the verb form, just to keep walking on, to keep taking those steps of faith, just one little step at a time, just trusting and knowing that this God is amazing, that he has an incredible plan for each one of us. 
And uh, it's far greater than we would even believe, even if we were told. Mm. Man, are, are you a preacher on the weekends? You're bringing <laughs> it, Ben. I love it. I, uh, it's As you say that, I'm nodding because what we always say in coaching or consulting, we say, just take your next right step. And it's amazing that when you take a series of next right steps, you find yourself incre- incrementally growing. You find yourself stepping into a new future. And suddenly you realize, wait a minute, I am disciplined enough to do that. I'm strong enough to do that, resilient enough to do that. Just pick yourself up and keep going. And so I hear that theme all throughout your book and all throughout your story. Um, what are We always talk about health on this podcast and uh, healthy leadership. I, I would imagine there are quite a few obstacles to you staying healthy. You work really hard. The schedule's got to be crazy, especially during the season. So what are those obstacles to health? And what are some practices that help you stay healthy as a leader, Ben? That's such a good question. I want to hear your answer to this, Alan. You're the one I need to learn from. But um, just for me, I, I think uh, just having healthy rhythms and healthy routines. So for me, it's like I need time in the Word every morning, and I need to go for a walk every morning because there's just something powerful about going for a walk. Um, I just feel maybe it's going back to what we were talking about, just being in the wilderness and just feeling connected to God and, and disconnected from the things of this world. Um, so that's really huge for me. And then just a couple other things I try to do every day is I try to play every day. I think just doing something playful, um, whether it's playing a board game or playing some kind of game or even just uh, working out. I mean, that can be play. Um, And then I love to learn every day, just try to learn something new every day. I like to create something every day, um, whether it's writing or art or baking or cooking um, and then just rest. And so rest um, could be getting an extra little bit of sleep. It could be taking a nap. It could just be sitting there doing nothing, um, just sitting there, sitting on the porch, you know? So um, those are some some different rhythms and, and things I love to do uh, just to stay healthy. Uh, that's so good. We were... Uh, talking just about busyness and just what a what a blight that is for leaders, to, especially today, but for our whole culture, so fast. So, I, um, why don't you leave us with just a few things that God is teaching you and taught you throughout the coronavirus slowdown, where we all were forced to stay in our homes, stay close to home. Uh, what are some of the things you learned during that slowdown? Yeah, man, that's such a good question. And I feel like I'm still learning. I I feel like we'll all be kind of learning. um, Even as the season ends, whenever it does, um, I feel like we'll be looking back on this time and just constantly learning from it. Um, It's just such, it's been such a jarring time and such a unique time um, that we're learning a lot in the moment, but I think we'll also learn a lot looking back too. So for me, I think in the moment, um, some things I've been learning is just uh, the still small voice of God. Um, that with my life so full, full of activities and all the, the good things in life, you know, we have, we have small groups and we have social time and we have work and we have all these things that fill our hours. Um, but I'm realizing that those things don't allow me to hear the still small voice of God very often. And so really just slowing down and making the most of this time. Um, and then also I, I, I'm realizing too, just as human beings, we want that illusion of control. We, we want to feel like we're in control. Um, and so, man, if I, if I sanitize everything in my house and if I uh, wear a mask and if I wash my hands 150 times a day, whatever, you know, it's like maybe then I won't get sick. But 
man, there's just this illusion of control that, that God's the only one in control. And I just, I need to continually surrender and continue, continue to surrender to, to him and his plans and, and to trust that he's got me, you know, he's got, he's got me in his hands and he's got good things for me. And I don't need to try to control and manipulate everything in my life. And so um, just off the top of my head, those are the, the couple of big things I'm learning right now, but I know that, that we'll all keep learning through this. It's been an incredible time. Mm, that's good. Well, man, thanks for letting us in, letting us in on your story and your journey. Anybody listening to this, please pick up the book, Walk On uh, by Ben. And um, man, uh, loved what you've shared here um, and just the posture you have in the room as a leader. Keep learning, keep loving others, and ultimately living out your calling. God has placed you in a really unique space, Ben. It's been awesome getting to know you. Thanks, Alan. I appreciate you. Well, guys, we hope that you enjoyed today's episode of the podcast. I hope that the conversation was encouraging for you and that within it, you found some encouragement to take your next right step. We all have next right steps that we can take. The only thing standing between us and taking them is, well, us. There's something that we want to do, somewhere we want to go, and the best way to get there is to simply get started. So do us a favor. Leave us a rating and review wherever you consume podcasts. That helps us get this message in front of as many people as possible, and unashamedly, that is one of the goals of this podcast, is to use this medium to help as many people get healthy so that they can reach more impact. So until next time, we'll see you right back here on the Right Side Up Leadership Podcast. Shine, shine, shine. We ain't